Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time. What time? High time to say, if you've got time to give this time your time, then it's time to let this time spend time making your time a good time. On this time. Monkey tennis, please, please, cook your eggs. Be safe. Be egg safe. Monkey tennis, can I have a glass of water, please? It forced me to say he has gone. Monkey tennis, I said I'd find out more. I haven't done that. Pay for dinner, yeah? Monkey tennis? I said, who the hell is that? That's merely a shaved boy in a wig. Monkey tennis? There is broad agreement that John was good. Tommy, join me at the lady. The show that promises to be all things... To all men. To all women. And everything in between. Monkey tennis? There's a subtle cock up there. Hello everyone and welcome back to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark. You've got your ass out, mate. We can see it in the mirror. Nick Older. A tankard? I'm not presenting a peasant's drinking vessel to the future Queen of England. And Tom Stab. If in doubt, handle and spout. So yes, we're obviously off the end of this time series two, but as ever, we like to round up your feedback and uh, take into account what you, the listener slash viewer, thinks uh, before we pile in with our clumsy opinions. Um, so thanks first and foremost to everyone that's uh, got in touch with us across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, email. Um, it's probably the most uh, feedback we've had about a series. Uh, reaction is strong and plentiful. Um, we do genuinely read everything that you send us, but we're not always able to respond. So apologies for that. Um, but let's. Let's dive 
dive into your predictions, observations, corrections, highlights and lowlights. And then uh, we'll round off what we thought of the series overall and we can all leave with smiles on our faces. Um, if you've got opinions that you hadn't managed to get in yet, then uh, you can send them by email to thepartridgepod at gmail.com, uh, facebook.com slash thepartridgepod, on Twitter we're at thepartridgepod, Instagram at monkeytennispod, or you can leave a voice note on the Monkey Tennis hotline 07923 I'm going to start by saying that um, if episode 6 of series 2 uh, taught us anything it's that your opinion matters so <laughs> do, tell us, do tell us what you think well we, we've uh, gone fully meta without realising it there haven't we yeah <laughs> Uh, so kicking off with uh, those of you that listen to the podcast a lot will know that we like to do predict a partridge where each of us will guess something that's going to happen uh, in the forthcoming series usually with woefully bad accuracy um, but you guys got in touch uh, with a few of yours as well so we're going to run through and see who got it right and who got it bang wrong starting with James Coughlin uh, who predicted that they'll be faithful to the APU and tie the different works together so I wonder if we'll have a reference or themes dropped in from the Oast House maybe Alan's newfound love of birds a, meet, a mention of meeting his grandchildren later life dating or a brush with an internet troll well uh, we've judged that to be broadly correct uh, in that they did they did drop in a lot of Oast House references um, there was obviously a brush with an internet troll um, I like that in the notes that uh, Tom Dark has uh, studiously put together he just got put correct on troll annoyingly we haven't got the uh, the famous <laughs> famous uh, monkey tennis bell to ring for anything that's correct so maybe Jed could drop in a, a, a bell sound here um, on to uh, the second one Andy McGrillen uh, he said I reckon Alan makes some sort of outrageous comment about a social movement that parodies Black Lives Matter or hashtag me too and gets himself removed uh, to which we say yes correct kind of uh, in terms of his last episode in the series Blackface Matters Blunder um, thumbs up thumbs up says Alan fucks it up by the end of it. There's no way he can stick this partridge forward trajectory, a par trajectory, if you will, much longer. He's never asked for a third season in his life. I mean, we couldn't argue that that's not correct. He has absolutely fumbled the ball uh, right at the end of the series, hasn't he? So well done. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah. I mean, in essence, it's quite broad. Alan fucks it up. Uh, so no surprises there. But uh, yeah, we'll go with correct for that. Uh, a couple more of notes. Uh, Matt McClellan uh, predicted Alan does an interview with the audience. Tick. Ted appears again. Tick, he is revealed to be Michael's brother. Now, Matt, I would say the jury is still out on that because he does say my mate Michael, and also it could be any Michael, uh, but we're going with uh, broadly correct brackets, possibly. Um, another prediction here in the form of very exciting audio voice note. Uh, let's turn to Darren from Cardiff. Hello, it's Darren from Cardiff again. Before this run of this time, I gave you my predictor partridge in a voice note that Lynn and Alan would have a falling out off air that would lead to Alan being flustered on air. Well, in episode 5, Alan and Lynn had a minor falling out off air, so I was 50% right. Uh, Lynn, idea for a programme, a stab in the dark, a murder mystery series starring Tom Stab and Tom Dark as detectives. I've not thought it through, Lynn. I'll call you back. Great, well, I for one am... Definitely keen to uh, commission that new drama idea. Yeah, Jed, if you could ring the commission bell now, that would be great. <laughs> uh, a couple more here of your, your predictions. Jeff Grimshaw. Now, J Jeff, the thing about this, which I, I you let yourself down because you, you started off quite well here, but then you, you gradually lose the plot. Um, so Jeff predicted, Alan makes an offensive comment which causes him to lose the Princess Anne interview. Jenny does it instead. So up to there, I'm like, you know what? I, I would class that as correct. 
But he then continues, Jenny gets back together with Sam. It ends with the E4 producers saying they are targeting a younger demographic and telling Alan that he and Simon are swapping roles. Oh, Jeff, if only you'd stopped earlier in your prediction, that would have been okay. Uh, plausible as well. Yeah. I feel like it, it is plausible that they, they might have swapped. Uh, it felt like that's that's the trajectory Simon's on, is mm-hmm, towards mm-hmm. a bigger role and Alan towards a diminished role. But as ever, they they tend to sort of nudge the plot along rather than shove it, don't they? So it's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not really happened as quickly or as, as much as we it thought. I think I would oh. say, actually, a, a, lot of the, a lot of the prediction responses we've had, it was kind of leaping forward in terms of Simon becoming a presenter or big revelations that like Alan and Jenny have been in a romantic relationship or Jenny's pregnant and just I can see where people have gone with those predictions but as obviously as we've seen how it's played out nothing nothing moved on quite that grander level it feels like Alan and Simon swapping roles would be a good way to end this time if there was going to be no more this time if you see what I mean if it was just going to be the end then it would it would seeing a third series where Simon is is in charge and Alan has been moved to the side I don't know how that would I don't know don't know that how that would work because it would require way more screen time for Simon it would become more about Simon than Alan I don't know but it feels like that would be a good sort of end point and then the next thing we see maybe Simon has become quite a big star in some regard and uh yeah that feels like that could be quite nice but again you know we'll kind of speculate later but whether this is the end of this time or not but um that feels like that could work in that regard but we're not quite sure if that's the case yet and uh one more uh prediction worthy of a mention before we move on to the episodes themselves andy clargo predicted that we will get more insight into alan's tooth badge now i just thought this is worth mentioning that in fact it's kind of the opposite has happened. The mystery has actually intensified <laughs> yeah. because now there's a Ted connection. So now we we know less than we thought we already did. Um, I'm going to open with a quick bit of uh, poll news. So uh, you may recall that we ran a poll asking you uh, for uh, your thoughts on episode one. Uh, the options were ruddy brilliant, ruddy okay, and ruddy rubbish. <laughs> Good use of uh, ruddy there. Um, I'm pleased to report that 60% of people thought that it was ruddy brilliant, um, 35% thought it was ruddy okay, and 5% said that it was ruddy rubbish. Uh, whilst I agree, can see that there's no middle ground between okay and brilliant, and maybe there's some people that would want it to have voted in that category, I was surprised that 35% of people uh, rated it as okay, because I think it's significantly better than that. But um, that is but the isn't voice okay of, uh, serving the as the middle ground between brilliant and rubbish? Isn't that the point of the poll? Okay is for people who are hopping mad and want something in the middle. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I can't, I can't argue with that. Um, we've also had some uh, correspondence in from Justin Leslie, who says, I think the Gibbons approach to Alan is so forensic and intricate that episodes of this time can fall a bit flat on first watch. Each scene is so densely packed that it can take a few watches to get everything from it. Like Bravo 2-0, it actually improves with every watch. For instance, several scenes are funny not because of what Alan is saying, but because of how Jenny or Simon are reacting. I found your podcast essential for helping me appreciate <laughs> this time. Um, but should the appreciation of a TV show be so dependent on the efforts of four pale, tech-obsessed social lepers who probably live with their mums? Uh, it's nice that um, she's uh, referring to you uh, 3 and Jed there, and uh, crucially, <laughs> I've been singled out there as, as exceptional talent. Um, well, uh, Justin, I think I broadly uh, agree with you, uh, certainly on the point that the episodes are very densely packed, and I agree that it, the more you watch it, the more you get out of it. Um, I think that that's definitely fair, and I think that 
we've probably all seen that as we've kind of rewatched and made notes and discussed it. Um, there's things that we don't pick up on that, you know, other people in the group will mention and you've, you've missed it. So I think that you've got to give that to the Gibbons that there's a lot in uh, all of these episodes. Um, some quick fire positive feedback. Um, first from Titty McSchwarzenegger, um, who writes brilliant better than series one. Uh, already and I love that I love so hard I nearly peed Alan's reaction to North Wales with Amanda Holden uh, Darren Evans said peak partridge for me I was laughing quite literally like a drain from start to finish such brilliant writing with so many layers to the jokes lovely stuff and finally Dave Hughes who simply says pure partridge brilliance uh, so unfortunately it's my turn to pick up the negative feedback and this is for specifically episode one. Uh, William Money says, uh, I've loved Alan for 30 years but tonight that godforsaken second series has made me see him differently. Jaded and forced with an overarching sense of awkwardness. Perhaps that was deliberate but Peter Bainham's absence is starting to show a creative spark is missing. Uh, Stephen Crawford says, I think this would be acceptable, even good to second slash third generation fops but for oldies like me it's cock piss poor partridge i really like that uh i liked alan comparing his nose hair to bracken and thanking lynn for lending her uh lending her nose trimmer that's it sad because from the oast house was an improvement um but not all negative uh on the uh, on the section ruth and of ruth and simon michael mcgarrity says i really enjoyed it last five minutes are up there with the best i was glad to see the ruth bit back but simon's part could have evolved a little maybe uh dean tonner says a promising start but not keen on vt stuff and banter with ruth is getting stale six on ten so um some mixed feedback we would say for episode one i think we were broadly positive on episode one uh, as, a, as a starter to the series but um, I take all of those points I, I, I do slightly take issue with William Money's point about um, uh, that there's a creative spark missing I think given what the Gibbons have done that isn't just a straight up sitcom they've done so much more since Alan Partridge was just a straight up sitcom that I would say a creative spark missing is I would I would disagree with that you can you can um discuss the quality of the writing and the quality of the output but in terms of creativity I think uh that that's not quite true I think in my opinion I also make the point that I don't think Peter Bainham's been involved for nigh on 15 years now. So well, probably uh, it's, longer it's than hard, that, yeah. And the rest, it's hard, I think. It's yeah. Hard, yeah, I think if you were if you were putting it down to him and, and it was all about feeling his absence, I think we would have felt it a long time before now. Um, but it's not just about your good TV, bad TV reactions. We've also uh, got some uh, insights from you guys. And as ever, our listeners have spotted things that we haven't. Um, first up, we've got a voice note from Dom Collander, who's got thoughts re a British Isles breakfast. Hi, guys. Uh, just a quick one from me um, about uh, Alan's British Isles breakfast in the uh, opening titles to this time. I believe he is using a sausage as a breakwater, um, making it his choice choice to mix the beans if he wants to. Um, that's all from me. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, le- less of an insight, more of a sentence there from Dom. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, appreciate that level of detail being uh, a scrutiny being paid to the intro sequence of uh, episode one but have you guys um, gone back and watched that though i did i'm, I'm I unsure think it's up for debate yeah i'm yeah. unsure i can't even see where the sausage is it's kind of on the edge of the plate if anything if that is indeed the sausage but let's <laughs> is this alan breaking his own breakfast rules in it that could case? be it could be which i which i like i would like the i would like that 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 level of detail was thought about but if you're going to go to that level of detail actually have the sausages a breakwater that would be one for the very eagle-eyed fops out there but um yeah I, i'd say debatable uh dom I had to look his name on the um, screen that I couldn't remember. 
We've had several people get in touch about another uh, familiar face in the intro sequence. Namely, there's another a clip of uh, Alan dancing with a, a lady. And uh, this is someone that had featured in the credits of a previous Partridge. It escapes me which one. Was it Welcome to the Places of My Life? Yes. So she was also in the credits for, for that. Uh, Matt McClellan says, awesome to see the random dancing lady from Welcome to the Places of My Life in the opening credits of this time. Harry J. Ford says, definitely felt like a nod to the fops, including that clip again. Darren Evans adds, yes, I love how many times this has been shown out of context and never once referred to or explained. Um, I think we may have mentioned this on a previous episode, but there's an argument perhaps that um, because she seems to be, a, 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 she's of Caribbean origin, we're, we're led to believe that this is is Alan basically doing, uh, kind of poking, or Steve Coogan poking fun at the kind of BBC diversity checklist, if you like, where Alan has filmed a very short segment um, with, with someone from like another community or another background and they've just milked that for all it's worth by putting it in the credits of every show without him ever actually (laughs) expanding on it um in terms of other observations from episode one we've got a voice note from graham from swindon hi there graham from swindon i found it really interesting that alan was thinking about the former lives of the monks and uh stating that one of them was potentially a former keyboard player in d ream and when he actually missed that uh, father paul played by careful how you say it simon kuntz uh played connor scott in the uh, alpha papa movie who was formerly the drummer in marillion so uh i thought that was quite amusing whether he was the same same person in the uh apu i don't know but uh, yeah i really enjoyed the first episode i i love seeing the oast house in the uh, in the title scene and i have to agree that uh Mmm, nice, was probably the funniest part when he was smelling the flowers. But yeah, uh, it's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, yes, if any other fops have noticed uh, references to or appearances by minor uh, musicians of yore, perhaps the bongo player from a Happy Mondays tribute band or uh, or the lead singer of Travis, um, then uh, do get in touch <laughs> and let us know. Also, just just quickly, uh, yeah, we, we, we completely missed that one, didn't we? That, that that's, uh, that's on us. We should have spotted that one. But also, when he says, oh, I wonder if this monk was the keyboard player from D-Ream, another thing I didn't realise, obviously at the, uh, at the time, obviously, See, the keyboard player from D Ream was uh, was Professor Brian Cox. Yeah, <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. that is true. Um, yeah, a, f- a few people did get in touch about that uh, that uh, familiar monk, and yeah, I was kind of kicking myself because I remember watching it, thinking that guy looks really familiar, and I couldn't quite place it. And it's yeah. just something I'd kind of just didn't get around to looking into. Yeah. Um, time for another voice note now. Uh, this is uh, another message from a friend of the show, Dave from Scotland, who uh, you may remember we've heard from uh, in the past. Uh, some observations about the, uh, well, perhaps an Easter egg with uh, a Warwick Uni hoodie, and another observation about Stan Laurel, which I think is quite similar to something Adam said the other week. Hi, Monkey Tennisers. It's Dave from Scotland. Just had a plate of haggis and a bottle of scotch for my <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> there was a lot going on in that first episode of uh, this time, Series 2. Um, the thing that amazes me about the Gibbons brothers writing and Steve Coogan and well, all the acting, really, is it's just there's so much in there to unpick. A couple of things I'd like to point out about the, uh, the monastery section. The Warwick University hoodie, and I'm sure that is a little Easter egg which calls back to Martin Dwyer 
entertainment officer for Warwick University. Bull Brumace! Bull Brumace! See, I can do all the accents. <laughs> and also, I thought that um, the scene with the, the plants in the greenhouse was kind of Steve Coogan maybe just calling back to his uh, acting time as Stan Laurel because it was very, very Laurel and Hardy kind of slapstick kind of humour. I just wondered if it was just a bit of Coogan crossover yet again. So I just thought I'd uh, chip in. Um, uh, well done in getting uh, another series of the podcast. It's, it's something we've all been looking forward to. Um, and let's let's hope um, you, all your other program ideas take off as well. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh... Thanks, Dave, from Scotland. I love it's never any more specific than just Scotland. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I Narrow it down to a county, at least. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the the point about um, about the the potted plants in the shed that being like Stan Laurel uh, is a point I couldn't have made better myself, and I didn't when I did make it uh, in an earlier episode. So uh, thanks for backing me up on that one. Yeah, just means you're getting it right. Um, a couple more observations here. Dan James wrote in to say, "Did you guys spot that after Sam Chatwin arrives and hands out gifts?" When Alan hurls his mug at the crowd, there's a shot later where you see an old guy in the audience clutching his head. Brilliant. Now, I didn't spot this at the time, but I went back and it's brilliant. It's so short and he's very much, he's a very small figure in the background, but it's there and it's great. This is very, uh, this is very similar to the, uh, the guy who fell off the seating in series one that yes, some people very. spotted and some people didn't. And when you go back and obviously you see it, but, and you know, it's there, but, um, no, I hadn't spotted this either. And uh, I don't think any of us had. And I think this was the only correspondence on it. So maybe Dan is literally the only person who has spotted it. You've got to be quite quick to spot yeah. it actually. Cause, cause I think I remember in the, in the actual episode, I noticed that people in the audience were turning around looking concerned. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. But um, yeah, great, great spot, Dan. Well done. Um, 
Yeah, it's, 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 it literally is a blink and you'll miss it thing. Uh, and then one more bit of correspondence on episode one before we move on to episode two. Uh, James Everard writes, I think episode one of the new series is a huge improvement on series one. It has the depth and detail of classic Partridge, which I felt was lacking in series one. I've watched episode twice and found things in the second viewing which I hadn't noticed at first. I then listened to Monkey Tennis and there were things which you picked up on which I hadn't noticed. So, you know, just a nice little summarisation there of what we've kind of been saying, like, the it's I think I'd argue that is testament to the strength of the writing that you can you can view these shows multiple times and you continue to reveal gags each time. Okay, I'm going to move on to episode two and I'll open with a poll. And the question we set was, what was the best bit of tonight's uh, episode? And the options were prison, Ruth, porridge, or cheeky. Um, and the results were. Um, 53% for Cheeky, the monkey. A landslide. Uh, 20, a landslide. I'm disappointed it kind of wasn't a touch higher, to be honest, because Cheeky probably was the best bit. Lovely Cheeky. Uh, 23% prison, 15% Ruth, and 9% uh, for Porridge. Um, so Cheeky very much stealing, uh, you know, the, uh, the pole position, but I would have expected it to be slightly higher. But again, these are just the views of the people. Don't blame me. Um, and then some quickfire correspondence. Uh, first up, Mike Wright, who says, uh, best this time episode so far. Amazing. Uh, Patrick Baines, who says, uh, I find the Ruth segments very tiresome. Uh, the worst part of the episode. And finally, Lieutenant Colonel Kojak Slabhead III, who says, the show needs more returning guests from Knowing Me, Knowing You. Uh, head slapping? Question mark. <laughs> Ooh, potentially an idea for a future series there. I feel like he's got a vested yeah, interest well, uh, getting yeah. in touch with that. <laughs> uh, and picking up on uh, more feedback from, from episode two, thumbs up, thumbs up, says, uh, I think this podcast needs to be forced on the dossers and dwads that are complaining that this time isn't very good. Full of brilliant bits. Uh, Jamie Atkinson, Yar, uh, agreed and said that the independent review said Partridge was constrained by woke. Did they actually watch the show? Alan trying to be PC and getting it wrong is a key part of the character nowadays. This is prime Alan. People just seem to want yet another sitcom. Thank God we're getting more of him. He's better than just a sitcom character. And Richard Bywaters emailed in saying, I always thought Joe Beasley was probably the funniest single sketch of Know Me Knowing You TV. And that's a tall order given how good it was i genuinely don't think they could have pitched his return better the material the delivery joe's believable character development since 1994 the tasteful retrospective it all left me in stitches i actually had tears rolling down my cheeks uh can't help but agree <laughs> um and uh Racing on to episode three, we had some feedback from Chris Pollard, who said uh, the vitriol Alan felt for the BBC for decades makes this so sweet. One sniff of a job, he can't stop fawning. Incredible. So presumably that's in reference to Alan's uh, poem for the BBC that comes in at the top of the episode. Oh, BBC, my uh, BBC. How lovely are your branches? <laughs> um, James uh, James says, in Alpha Papa, Alan says he's 55. So if we can assume that it's in 2013 when the movie was released, that makes his flyover Spaghetti Junction for his 40th around 97 98 so i'm alan partridge series one so yeah i think we talked a bit i talked a bit about where did that that, that spaghetti junction flyover fit into the timeline could he really afford it i think if it came during alan partridge series one that is when he is still you know relatively at his peak so yeah it was a drop in the ocean well, he's not the he, no, he's fallen but he still might have residual money from his bbc deal with uh, knowing me knowing you yeah <laughs> I, I would also uh, say it's worth pointing out that i think alan's age is broadly consistent but 
every every couple of years it does seem to scale back slightly so there are a few fluctuations where it doesn't always fully make sense i think should probably suppose... pay an archivist shouldn't they <laughs> <laughs> they really should do you, do you think that's because if they let it if they let it continue at its kind of real quote-unquote rate that there's a risk that Coogan will want to do Partridge when Partridge is technically in his sort of 80s and and then it just won't be yeah won't feel kind, right. kind of because I I feel like and this isn't without like looking at anything on the interweb I'm pretty sure that isn't Coogan currently 55 and I think the character of Alan at the latest uh, iteration is supposed to be 65 and I think perhaps if he went back to like the 90s and mm. followed that through, he'd probably be closer to 70 by now. You think Alan's age is slowing yes. to, to, yeah, I to think narrow so. the yeah. gap. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, and Gary PL added, uh, Steve's performance in episode three was next level. His facial expressions when someone else is talking are genius. The slip at the end of the opening part of the SAS section and the line about Kirsty Allsop's bridesmaids were the funniest moments of the series so far. And a couple more uh, messages uh, we've had in regarding the SAS section. Uh, David Kay wrote an email to us about goats. Uh, David writes, The British Army often has goats as regimental mascots. There is at least one currently serving as a lance corporal. Uh, I imagine that may be behind the reaction to Alan suggesting they shoot goats. I mean, I did not know that goats could be currently serving in the army, so that that's impressive. We've all learned something here. Uh, and turning our ear to the other half of the globe marlon slack wrote in to say one of my favorite gags went a little unnoticed i've attached an audio file talking about it really briefly love your work as always hey guys it's mark here in australia i just wanted to recount a favorite joke from the last episode of this time it's a bit of a subtle one that maybe not everybody would have caught so when you're handing a firearm over or you're clearing a firearm from a range you drop the magazine you move the bolt back and you make sure there isn't a live round in the chamber so when it's safe you declare the weapon clear when tommy does that with the gpmg he opens a top cover and he checks the chamber and he says clear and alan says mm, crystal and it's just a great little gag that maybe not everybody would have caught one of my favorite of all time uh take care and i love the podcast cheers guys so again, again, learning learning more there about kind of uh, armed forces gags, which I don't think any of us would have would have known known that. Yeah, it's further proof that you should be on nodding terms with ballistics to fully appreciate this time. <laughs> yep, can't can't argue with that at all. And then uh, one more message we had in about this episode from Andy McDonald. Um, Andy writes: One thing I expected someone to mention is that Alan and Dan's eyeline during the Guardian interview. If you watch where they're looking, there are several moments where they seem to be reading cue cards, much like a sketch on Saturday Night Live. Is it possible there were some last-minute rewrites, as we have seen from Stephen Gibbons before? Now, quite a few people got in touch to mention this. And I don't know what you guys think, but watching it, I, I don't really see that myself. I, I, I mean, there are definitely points where you see um, the Dan character kind of like looking around the studio, but I think that's because he's trying to display how incredulous he is with the conversation with Alan. Uh, what do you guys think? I think that's that's uh, that's the read of it that I had. I don't. I didn't necessarily notice that they were looking at anything that I thought were cue cards. But in answer to Andy's question, is it possible there were some last minute rewrites? Uh, <laughs> 100%. In, in, in the words of Ed Miliband, health health yes, there is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I, I I I agree. I couldn't see. I definitely couldn't see any um, from Steve. But like Tom said, there were some moments where you could potentially say yes, Matt Smith is looking at what could be a cue card. But again, like Tom says, it could just be him kind of like 
looking around going like what what is going on here what is this you know he's like I say he's incredulous but i i didn't really notice this if anyone wants to clip it and send it to us or send us a timestamp we can, for a specific bit we can have another you look you can just watch it again on iPlayer oh, it's literally that easy we've watched it enough um, yeah that's a, that's a good point <laughs> uh, yeah I, 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 I thought I thought not sure on that one personally but also don't they literally have auto cues in the studio so I don't see why they'd be using cue cards that are out of the way of an eye line when they literally have the auto cue facility where they are so I, I don't think that's what's going on there, but it is interesting that quite a few people wrote in to say that that's what they thought. And also, um, somebody else, and I'm sorry we don't have your email in front of us, but um, somebody did point out that there is definitely a big continuity error at the end of that scene where basically a camera appears behind Dan Miller in the, in the, in the last shot, which hasn't been uh, visible throughout the interview. Okay, I'm going to cover off um, episode four, and I'm going to start with a message from Luntman, who writes, Just laughed out loud whilst cleaning my teeth, as I remembered Alan's decision after drawing a chemsex Venn diagram in chalk on a pavement to walk forwards to the next illustration whilst still crouched down. Uh, that was good. I also think I personally enjoyed that it was uh, autographed as well. Uh, overall, very good. Yes. Um, Rob writes... Uh, Partridge wanker being shouted in the background was incredible. Had to rewind to double check that I wasn't hearing things. Well, Rob, I didn't even hear that, to be honest. So one of those <laughs> examples of things being missed when you uh, watch and rewatch. Um, and Paul Liam says, I think it just cut out partway through the wanker, um, but it was probably my biggest laugh of the ep. It sounded exactly like the voice in the farmer's ep. Um, and then an email from Hugh Jenkins, who writes, In episode three, Alan mentions the tensions between Palestine and Israel, while things uh, were at their absolute height in the news. An unfortunate bit of timing. I wondered if they thought of cutting the gag on broadcast day. Also, in episode four, when Alan did his awkward uh, Jimmy Savile impression, uh, Savile was trending on Twitter after the revelations about Martin Bashir uh, with the Princess Diana interview. Two strange instances of gags written months ago, but linking up in the real world. Um, so, yeah, I think we've we've sort of touched on that, haven't we, as we've, we've reviewed the episodes, that it's been slightly pressing in terms of um, real world uh, incidents kind of... Um, aligning themselves to things that were written months ago by the Gibbons. So obviously coincidence, but a strange coincidence nonetheless. Soothsayers, perhaps. Uh, so I'm going to pick up with an email from George Dunn, re the Putney basement. Uh, he says, my initial thoughts were that was that Alan was uh, reacting confused about a basement in Putney due to the proximity of Putney to the river. Whilst no building surveyor, I imagine basements in Putney are generally a bad idea due to the proximity to the Thames, the low lying ground and the frequency of flooding. Um, I mean, that kind of makes sense. But as he does say, he is not a building surveyor. So if there are any building surveyors listening, get in touch. Uh, and then Keith Misen, Misen, sorry if I've pronounced that incorrectly, says, no, uh, very surprised you didn't identify that Alderhey Children's Hospital will not be getting their kidney machine. The first ding was when Simon said Queen, technically not a song. So they finished at 11, which the Liverpool businessman definitely won't pay up on. Look it up in the contract. Now, I, again, I did uh, I did go back and check this, and yeah, he's right. When uh, when Simon says uh, the word Queen, it dings. That is the first ding. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, children of older Hayhock Children's Hospital, you will not be getting that kidney machine. Did we check that Queen isn't a song by Queen? Killer Queen is, but I didn't check if a song That's called true. Queen is by Queen, but there is, there is a song, obviously, called Killer Queen. Um, I'm going to look it up. Live research. 
it looks like there is indeed no song called Queen by Queen. A very good observation. Please do write in again. <laughs> I like it. It's a clean kill. <laughs> it's a clean uh, kill. <laughs> no feedback roundup would be complete without at least a couple of mentions of Jimmy Savile. So uh, thanks to Steve Harris for the second of this episode. Uh, he says, I have a long-standing theory that Steve will one day play Jimmy Savile in some sort of biopic. Don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about Savile the Quest for Glory, but I could see a Frost Nixon style movie with Nigel Havers as Louis Theroux or how's about an arty affair in which a remorseful Jimmy talks to the ghost of his dead mum <laughs> I'm mostly writing to you now so there's a record of my idea for copyright purposes also you made one glaring error A Few Good Men was originally a play written by Aaron Sorkin and was performed on Broadway I could tell you how Alan got the rights but you can't handle the truth <laughs> oh sorry 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 you can't handle the truth <laughs> I didn't know that oh, I did not dear. know that yeah. I died no, didn't know that either. It's good. Th- uh, these are an educational exercise exactly, for us yeah. uh, because they're always 50% corrections. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a little bit of negative feedback about this uh, episode as well from Will's Whinge. He says, I usually love a bit of Alan, but I've hardly laughed at this series, if I'm being honest. Um, and Vacket M, sorry, I'm pronouncing that wrong. Classic case of Emperor's New Clothes. Anyone dare to admit it's not very good? Ooh. No, I, th- I think it's worth saying at this stage... I would say that broadly 95% of the responses we've had have been positive about this series. I, it's been few and far between when we've had communications of people that haven't enjoyed it. So uh, yes. in the minority there. We're just trying to be genuinely balanced when it comes to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is, of course, a possibility that uh, this, sort of pro- this sort of partridge skews towards fanatics uh not you know namely people who will also listen to the accompanying podcast that we're making right now and also <laughs> yes. take it upon themselves to get in touch uh perhaps it's passing more of a mainstream audience by but i guess we will come to the the, the viewing figures i think along with our thoughts on the whole series along with your thoughts on episodes five and six uh next week in the second of our this time series two wrap-up episodes uh, so if you've got some thoughts for us uh do drop them to us at the partridgepod at gmail.com facebook.com slash the partridge pod twitter at the partridge pod instagram at monkey tennis pod leave us a voice note on the hotline 0793 600 017 and as ever if you're enjoying what you're hearing uh via monkey tennis then uh, please do drop us the price of a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis to put a smile on our faces and uh help us to continue making monkey tennis for as long as there's partridge to dissect uh, so i think that's it for this week join us next week where we'll talk about the uh, bombshell ending of this time series two and all of our thoughts your theories and maybe some press reaction as well uh, but for now from all of us at monkey tennis the alan partridge fan podcast thanks and goodbye julian fellows i can't stand julian fellows it's that time what time high time to say if you've got time to give this time your time then it's time to let this time spend time making your time a good time on this time monkey tennis please please cook your eggs be safe the egg safe. Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? It falls to me to say he is gone. Monkey tennis? I said I'd find out more. I haven't done that. Pay for dinner, yeah? Monkey tennis? I said, who the hell is that? That's merely a shaved boy in a wig. Monkey tennis? There is broad agreement that John was good. Tommy, join me at the lady. The show that promises to be all things. To all men. To all women. And everything in between. Monkey tennis? There's a subtle cock up there. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.